Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott back again to do another episode of the Nolcast. Bud, we were able to crank out the Instant Reaction podcast, give people our immediate thoughts as to the Norvell hire. We'll give a little bit of a reaction to his opening press conference, talk a little bit about some of the broader response from the college football world as to the Mike Norvell hire, and kind of put a little bit of a bow on the uh, circus that was the coaching search in general. And when I say circus, I don't necessarily mean institutionally, but the uh, broader experience that was going through all of this. So with that, excited to jump into the podcast. As always, want to thank our friends at uh, Louisiana Hot Sauce, title sponsor of the Nolcast, uh, truly the driving force of this podcast and the people that make everything uh, what we do possible. So a tip of the hat to them. And Bud, let's, uh, let's jump into a little formal Mike Norvell conversation. Yeah, let's do so. Uh, I think it was appropriate that uh, Norvell uh, had his press conference on Sunday because he was preaching. That was uh, that, that, that was that was preacher Norvell uh, that we got on Sunday. I, I think he did a really good job with his press conference. We'll jump into that in just a second, but I, I think we should start our show with discussing uh, what uh, what started the press conference, which was the, the comments of John Thrasher and David Coburn. A lot of stuff that I think is not really all that relevant, uh, but some takeaways I had for it and jump in here whenever you want. Uh, he talked about how they, they talked to a lot of candidates. They kept coming back to Norvell. Um, I, I think that's that's accurate, actually. I, I think that they really did like Norvell the first time uh, that they spoke with him. And one of the advantages you'll notice here of, of having the coaching search start so early was that they had a lot of time to vet Norvell. Uh, and I think you know, because there was a lot of doubt in the industry as to why he didn't get any of those four jobs previously, in, in the four SEC jobs in 2017, they needed their time to really cross their I's and dot their T's to make sure uh, that the info they were getting uh, was was good info. Uh, so I do think that that is something that, obviously not the vetting process, but Thrasher mentioning that they had an advantage starting the search early uh, is, is definitely something that I would agree with. Uh, them saying that yeah, he was the only candidate they offered the job. Of course, the rule, Ingram, as you know, is nobody ever gets offered the job until they, they accept it. And basically goes like this. If we were to offer you the job at this amount of money, would you take it? Yeah. Okay, we are offer, offering you the job. Okay, I'm taking it, right? Like, I think Mike Norvell is a really good hire. Again, we said previously, pretty much anybody who you're going to get this far down the road with to coach Florida State is going to be a really good hire on paper. It's all about getting the right resume and the right fit and then hoping it works out. Tons of examples of right resume, right fit, bad result. And, like, that's all you can – got to control your controllables here. But let's be real – Mike Norvell was not their number one candidate. That doesn't torpedo your, your coaching career, by the way. Dan Mullen was like Florida's fourth candidate, I think, and, and he's done a nice job there in Gainesville. But I, I did get a chuckle about the, the number one can, number one candidate thing. Number one candidate, the only, the only person that received a formal offer, all the things that you expect to see at a press conference like that. So uh, no surprise to anybody. A lot of kind of talking points being thrown around by – all parties involved. Uh, but yeah, you know, good, uh, good for Thrasher and Coburn. They were certainly the two driving forces behind this search, a little bit of a monopolized search when it came to involvement, uh, the way they wanted it. And they were able to ultimately execute a search to where they didn't get their number one candidate, but they certainly got, I would say they had kind of four guys. Norvell maybe necessarily wasn't in this tier uh, at the beginning of the process, but quickly kind of moved himself into it. They had four guys who they had targeted as kind of tier one candidates. Uh, and they were able to get one of those guys ultimately. Uh, and that's a, you know, that's a good, good thing for them. And uh, hopefully those are two individuals who, well, they almost certainly won't have to go through another coaching search uh, ever again. And uh, I don't get the feeling that that's something that they'll be regretting uh, anytime soon. It's not a, not a fun process regardless of your age, but if you're uh you know, looking at retiring within the next 12 to 18 months, uh, the the rigors involved with a coaching search aren't necessarily the most fun thing to go through. So, you know, I completely agree with you on that. And it's also important here to note, in my opinion, that look, nobody that they wanted signed with a, a different school over Florida State. The other guys they targeted, maybe on par or before they targeted Norvell, seriously, all elected to just re-sign with the schools at which they were already having success, already having having a comfort level. 
Uh, and so I do think that's a good sign. I would have been very negative, like, opinion of the search had they lost somebody to, let's say, like an Ole Miss or an Arkansas who they wanted but screwed up because of timing or um, what have you. But Florida State was the top job on the market, and they went out and they got a guy who they believe uh, was the top candidate that they could get on the market this time. Um, and I, 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 th- I think I agree with him. You know, now we'll have to see how, how he works out, obviously, but he seems to be checking a whole lot of boxes here. And, and, and the opening press conference uh, really checked quite a few boxes. Yeah, it did. I mean, that, this was a guy I put on Twitter that even some of his most vocal supporters were would c- kind of quietly say to you, hey, look, we think the world of him. We don't necessarily think that he's going to knock the opening press conference out of the park. And, and look, you know, <laughs> was it an absolute home run? Was It, it do- doesn't really matter how you classify those things. It was successful. He conveyed the messages that he wanted to convey. He created a very significant uh, juxtaposition. Uh, versus the the previous occupier of uh, of said seat, uh, I think he energized a fan base that was looking to be energized, and by all accounts, he might have had a, a similar response and reaction from uh, from the locker room internally. But uh, we mentioned there were a lot of talking points in general being thrown around. Uh, Norvell certainly had his fair share as well, but uh, nonetheless, a successful opening press conference and an individual who I think has a an awful lot of the broader fan base behind him where maybe he didn't 48 hours ago. So I, I think here, let's, I have this a little bit different on, on my outline, but I, I want to just set something out here. D- Willie killed his press conference. Jimbo killed his opening press conference. Pretty much every single coach in the history of coaching hirings kills their press conference. All right. Here's the thing. There's a reason for it. And you know what? The reason for it is because they're not really even making these speeches. Now, there's parts of it in there that that they do, but for the most part, the administration is the side that is telling them what to say and why. Because they're really giving this speech to boosters. For the next eight months, you're really not doing anything but recruiting and doing the booster tour circuit. you got spring ball, but like you're not doing any actual like on-field coaching of ball games. It's all about get, getting those boosters stirred up. you got season tickets to sell. You got booster donations to get. You got you got the, the rubber chicken circuit coming up. And the school is going to know what their boosters and supporters want to hear. And what do they want to hear? They want to hear basically anything that you thought the last guy did poorly. They want to hear you say something that not takes a shot at him, but references some sort of issue and how you're going to fix it and be better. Okay? That's why. Everybody listening that like at home who who said, oh, that's a great press conference. Oh, my God, Mike Norvell did an awesome job. Yes, he did. You were right. But think about why he did. A lot of that is because of the stuff that they tell him to say. This is every administration with every new coaching hire ever. But yet I also appreciated some of the stuff that that he talked about specifically, which I think uh, was truthful and fit well with some of the issues that Florida State had, which, by the way, is one reason why I think Norvell is probably a pretty good hire for Florida State, because some of the things he does naturally that he really believes in also really fit uh, some of the things that Florida State needs to have fixed. But let, let's just let's get get that out of the way, right? I don't give you any real credit for nailing your, your press conference. I would give you a whole lot of blame if you didn't. But to me, it's one of those things where it's like uh, you, you really should just kind of like get credit for it for, for showing up. Um, that's like, can you imagine screwing up your your first press conference? It would be a challenge. I mean, I, I think we joked that Herm Edwards uh, is probably the closest that's happened in in modern day history when he was went on his little devil rant when the guy identified himself from Devil Insider or whatever. But yeah, no, it's it's certainly tailor made to hit a home run. And and you're right. There's there's a lot of things that are laid out that you can kind of make a juxtaposition and clearly set yourself off from the previous candidate. I I highly doubt that Norvell organically came to the point to where he was talking about, uh, you know, go fast and how, how fast we're going to go and all these other things. That's not necessarily a shot at Willie, uh, but I think that was uh, probably a, a piece of the conversation that was uh, entered into it or perhaps suggested to him. 100%. Uh, how about uh, new school approach, old school values? If that isn't in, in, in kind of a shot at like, hey, we, we – 
we still care about about doing things the right way and all all, all that kind of stuff. I I think right. I mean that's that was something that, that struck with me that like I think he probably does care about. And he talked about discipline and the Noel way. Well, the Noel way is basically a nod I think to Odell. Odell mm-hmm. talked about the Noel way in his press conference, and we know how how beloved Odell is, even though he's not really head coaching material. Um, you know, discipline is certainly something that Florida State needs better discipline. Not just penalties, because look, Norvell's teams are, are also heavily penalized, and we know that penalties don't really have a great correlation uh, to winning and losing. But just, I, I thought that was that was interesting. He also, I think, kind of had a bit of like a, a blue collar, earn it mentality, right? Uh, I, in terms of talking about how the players are going to have to earn everything, and we will work every day in this program. We, we will we will earn everything that we get in this program. I, I thought that was key. I, I think that there's a large sentiment among the boosters about like entitled players. And, um, you know, in some ways I don't fully disagree with that going back about, uh, 14, 15, 16, 17, five years or six years, excuse me, basically like 14 and on. Uh, so yeah, man, like I think this is the, the points that he's hitting on are all the points that if you're like a, a guy who's probably 30 to 60 years old. You want to open your wallet now for Coach Norvell, I think. Certainly, uh, I think moved a lot of people off the fence. You know, people that were waiting to make their decision. I don't want to take too much away from what you see on social media or message boards or anything else, but there certainly seemed to be a lot of people who talked about involvement with the boosters where maybe they weren't before or making a step up to that next level or whatever, you know, whatever the small amount of action that people can make locally to have a a more broader impact. And uh, again, from a a very small sample size, uh, it seemed that he was very successful in doing that. So yeah, there were a lot of, a lot of talking points. There was uh, topics of conversation that you would expect to be covered. Uh, One other thing that I want to talk about before we move away is that I think the, put it very simply, just the the volume of the press conference. That is not necessarily traditional Mike Norvell type of conversation that the, you know, the, the way that he spoke, the volume at which he spoke, you can certainly go back and listen to him and he's passionate about the sport and he's passionate as hell about the football um, and the opportunity that coaching's brought to him. Uh, but I I don't know that I've ever heard Mike Norvell talk in, in that type of manner and certainly not with that type of volume. Yeah. In fact, we watched his old press conference to kind of get a feel and was like, is this guy going to be different than Willie? And I think we both kind of came to the conclusion as far as just press conference wise, he's kind of low key in his press conferences normally. And I don't know this for a fact, but I would bet money that Florida State's admin said, hey, if you're fired up, go show them, right? Like, like, like let, let that passion, let, let that energy, let that emotion come through in your press conference. Because one of the things that people really didn't like about Willie was he seemed just so low key uh, in his press conferences. Like, look, clearly Norvell was fired up and he should be, he just got the Florida state job. And he said, he, he, he thinks it's one of the best jobs in the country. And, and he's super excited to be there. And he let that show through. If he wasn't super excited, I think they would still want him to act super, super excited, right? <laughs> like this is a very exciting moment. I totally agree with you about the volume. That's kind of the stuff that I really think uh, is stuff that like the admin would basically have told him to say. But there were a couple things I, I think that he said that really reflected him. I, I do believe the special teams thing. This is a guy who, who has been involved in special teams. He does care about special teams, like you said. Uh, I also think that when he basically said football raised me, you know, he talked about how like this is not what I do. This is who I am. Yeah, as, I, I think that really is him. I, I think he is an absolute football junkie, a football nerd, a guy who really does put in long hours and, and is, is a grinder. Um, in fact, I actually had somebody who's a coach at another school tell me they thought Norvell, like, he's he's a grinder, man. I said, okay, that's that's good to know. Uh, so I, I do think that was something that was really coming from the heart for him because it's something I've heard about him from previous spots. I also like that he refused to put a timeline for getting the team back uh, to uh, to championship contending, and that's really smart. It's probably not what what fans want to hear, uh, but like maybe his agent, who is Jimmy, so the last three coaches that FSU has had are Jimmy Sexton clients. Sexton, Sexton might have had a little talk with him and said, "Hey, um, 
Willie really got in trouble by like embracing these high expectations, and you need to pump the brakes on this because that roster is not any good. Okay, <laughs> and now they're going to have two new coach classes in a three-year period, which means you're going to be have a serious three or four-year setback here, right? Where you're probably not going to be contending for the conference in, in your first three, four years, just realistically, because I mean, like 2021, the the first half class that you signed is going to be what? Like redshirt seniors. And, and in this, you know, this, this 2020 class you sign, uh, or excuse me, there'll be seniors in this, in this 2020 class you sign are going to be sophomores. And you're basically going to be missing like, like one full class over a two year period. Cause that's just, these classes don't turn out as we're noticing. I think that was really smart, man. He also noted, did you see what he said about recruiting? He said that takes time. Recruiting is relationship based and that takes time. I like that. That was actually tempering expectations and not over-promising. Now, it was kind of a, a veiled, un, you know, under-promise, over-deliver type thing. I don't know if people really get it. It's a message he's going to have to keep hammering home in the booster circuit this summer. But I thought that was that was important. Um, th- those are kind of some of the things I, I, I took away from it. I, I really took away his passion for the game and his passion for coaching football. I think that was, that was really genuine. It's something that that people have Memphis, or people at Memphis have also talked about. Uh, the last fun, one here is kind of funny. Before we move on to some other cool stuff, um, do, do you think he was actually a Florida State football fan growing up, or do you think he <laughs> he was just kind of aware of, of how good the program was? Two very distinct things. As, as somebody that's thirty six, uh, if you grew up and you're anywhere between thirty three and forty three, Florida State wasn't like a big program, Florida state was the program, uh, in your, in your, you know, basic formative years. So I, I have no doubt that he was wildly aware as to who Florida state is. And, you know, there's a, there's a good chance that maybe he did have some random piece of, uh, paraphernalia or, or fan material tied to a national championship. Uh, but no, I, I don't believe that Mike Norvell was necessarily a Florida state fan. Kind of the other or another part of, press conference opening press conference 101 is that you either say that you are a fan of the institution or you find some bizarrely obscure point in time where you cross paths with the institution and it just struck you as the most special place in the world and a place that you always wanted to go back to and work that those are pretty much the two things that you hear so mike norvell florida state fan exceptionally skeptical mike norvell product born in the early <laughs> in the early 80s and and came to came to age with uh you know the very thick of the dynasty uh, i have no no doubts that uh college football and florida state weren't uh, very prominently on his radar absolutely okay so you want to give him a grade on the press conference i would say pretty high like i think he hit all the all the right notes without over-promising uh, and, and, and writing checks that he can't hope to cash in the first couple of years. Uh, that was encouraging to me. I think he really spoke to the boosters. You could definitely tell his passion, man, how, how he could be good with boosters. Like like our Memphis people told us, uh, you know, hey, he was good with some of the same boosters who John Calipari worked with, right? Uh, so I, I, I would give him a pretty high grade for this press conference. Of course, everybody should have a high grade for their opening press conference. If you mess that up, then we're, we're really not going not, not gonna to work out here. I would give him a high grade. Uh, it was a very solid performance, did a great job, touched on all the notes that he needed to, and I think kind of touched and hit the, uh, the points that you would expect. Former players, current players, boosters, leadership at the university, all of the things uh, that are necessary to having a successful press conference and all of the things that are necessary for having a successful event, whether it be catered or uh, held on location, can be found at our friends at Madison Social Centrale and for the table. Uh, specifically contact Matt Thompson, uh, the same individual that we've been so fortunate to work with since day one, show one. Matt can be reached, Matt, at forthetablehospitality.com. Matt, a creative hustler in his own right, uh, has a fantastic pint glass out there with the what I would now almost say is iconic image of Norvell in his central Arkansas days uh, with uh, underneath it, I think what said d- designed for playmakers uh, or built for playmakers. Uh, but Matso always a fantastic option, whether it be for catering or 
to add to your pint glass collection, and they've uh, they've got another class set out that I would point everybody's attention to. Yes, and uh, uh, so we actually did get the, the background uh, on that famous uh, uh, famous cornrows photo. Have you heard this? Yeah, yeah, it's tied to the the youth team that he was coaching at the time. Is that right? Yeah, he had some kind of youth camp or something, uh, and he uh, he did it at, at at the end of summer uh, for him apparently, but. Who knows? I mean, that, that's that's a good story. I, I'm not totally buying into that, but maybe maybe that's true. I, I have no reason to not buy in. I just I haven't seen any real proof of that. Uh, so we want to do something fun now here, just a little bit, and a uh, couple things, and then we're going to get into kind of like putting a bow on this, this, this coaching search. I wanted to note a lot of people have said, hey, the, the reaction from Memphis has been awesome, and uh, as opposed to, to bitter, and they, they want to contrast that to what happened with, with Willie at Oregon, and uh, I think that that is interesting to do, but maybe not apples to apples for this reason. Mike Norvell got a standing ovation after he told his team he was leaving. Basically, he said, and, and there was you know there were tears in the room, but also everybody's really happy for him. He embraced the city, et cetera, et cetera. Well, look, Mike, Mike Norvell was the coach at Memphis for four years. Memphis understands that it is a really good G5 job and uh, still a G5 job. And Oregon does not see itself as a program that is Florida State's uh, lesser. And it was so bought into what Willie was doing there, he was bringing them the number one recruiting class they've ever had, uh, that they ended up um, you know, losing him after only nine months. They were pretty devastated. And they were like, oh my God, like you're treating Oregon like a stepping stone job. Whereas Memphis understands what it is. So I, I think that's really interesting. Um, both schools did not want to, to lose their coach at the time, but it was cool to see how happy all those players and all those people at Memphis were for Mike. And you really haven't heard anything negative about, about Norvell from any of those folks. A hundred percent. Also pretty big difference in the way that they left and the way that they left with their respective administrations. Uh, by all account, Norvell has been kind of whispering to people at Memphis that like you may want to get your ducks in order for a future yes. coaching search. Willie Taggart flew on a, Oregon jet to go meet with Florida state. Uh, I mean, those are, those are two about as opposite way that you can leave an institution as possible. So, uh, that's probably another reason why the response has been, uh, pretty significantly different. I, I think that's, that's very fair. Uh, he also expressed an interest to keep coaching Memphis in, in their, their new year six bowl game. Obviously the biggest game in the history of Memphis would be, uh, would be this Cotton Bowl game, that which is the New Year's Six Bowl against Penn State. Um, my initial reaction is, like, no way, right? And I, I imagine this will die down some. But I thought about it, and I I think I have a solution. I wanted to bounce this off you, and I don't, I don't know if we discussed this on the phone last night. But clearly, like, you want Norvell in Tallahassee, okay? That's, that's clear. You want him recruiting. You want him doing all the things you're going to need to do because you're really behind the eight balls of program with two new coach recruiting classes in a three-year span. I'm going to like be harping on this for probably the next three years. Just get used to it, folks. This is really kind of an anchor around your neck. Now, look, what if you take and uh, what if you say, okay, you can go be like the ceremonial coach if Memphis will have you on the sideline? Right, like you're not actually coaching, you're not wearing a headset, that kind of stuff. You're not employed by Memphis, but you're basically just a guest, as as, as someone who Memphis obviously still loves and respects, and you get to be around your former players as they hopefully go out and play hard against Penn State. That way, if they do get waxed by Penn State, which I don't think they will, but could you know they could, then it doesn't really come back negatively on you because you're not the one doing the coaching. You know, like you don't feel like you betrayed these kids by half-ass coaching them or, or not being there for the bowl practices, all that kind of stuff. But, like, I wouldn't have any problem with, with Mike Norvell being, uh, you know, at, at Memphis for that game. Just that game as, like, a ceremonial coach. I, I think that would be kind of neat and something that I think he probably deserves. What do you think about him being basically like, like, a, like a guest on, on the sideline or, or in a box? It's a good idea. I mean, I, I believe there has been some very authentic wavering on what the plan was tied to this. I'll, I'll put it this way. I I think at the end of the day that he probably won't coach that bowl game. I think every day that you wake up 
and put a garnet and gold polo on and go out and recruit. And every day that you're not at Memphis, that it's that that divide starts to feel a little more pronounced with every day that goes by, both on your end and uh, and the kids in the locker room. Not that he's not beloved. He, he very obviously is. I'm not saying that nobody would want him back. But I, I do think that that has a chance to maybe not be a just to just to have an awkward moment for people. So uh, I think maybe the ceremonial thing that you pitched there, not something that we've talked about. I think that's a really good idea. Uh, one of the reasons why uh, Florida State isn't necessarily like in support of this, in my opinion, but they do realize that there's an awful lot of positive press to be had from leading Memphis to its uh, biggest game that it ever played. Uh, and that it's positive press for Florida State as well. So maybe if you're there in a ceremonial manner, uh, you still get to do some of the interviews. Maybe you get to go on halftime uh, and, and both, you know, be respectful of the university uh, that you've left and, and the event that they've gotten to and such a benchmark in their history, uh, but also reap some of the positive dividends from the Florida State perspective. Absolutely, man. By the way, I want to tell everybody about Resolution Home Loans. I just shipped out four more packages of shirts for our new Resolution Home Loan homeowners. Obviously, the Nolcast Studios are sponsored by Resolution Home Loans. They helped me get my home loan here for my new home, and y'all should give them a call. 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com is the number, and the website is 844-FSU-LOAN or FSUHomeLoans.com. Great people. You'll get hooked up with Shannon Young. He's the best guy in the business. Great rates. He's an expert in the field. He'll help you out. He'll help you get the right number, the right loan, and walk you through the process. All right, Bo. All right, Bo. Jesus. Bo. All right, uh, Bo. Old Bob Stoops. I'm so excited to talk about him. I truncated his first name there. Why don't, in fact, why don't we put a Bo on uh, on this coaching search in general and just give our ideas kind of alpha to uh, alpha to Omega and how this played out and while at the same time kind of kind of having a chuckle at some of the absurdities and ridiculousnesses that uh, were associated with this process. Okay, yeah, let's get into this. Um, so we'll start here first with the Bob Stoops saga. Uh, I know you've you've been digging on this just to kind of figure out like why people were still talking about it three weeks after we said it was dead and everybody else said it. Everybody actually did like legitimate reporting was basically saying it was dead with maybe one or two exceptions yeah. out there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know you got to sell subscriptions when, when you can sell them. Um, how do you think that meeting with Bob Stoops went? Without sounding braggadocious here, I, I I feel like I have some of the best sources possible when it comes to this topic of conversation and and uh, the conversations that's played out over the past couple of weeks. And am forever fortunate to be able to work with you. And when you and I are able to sit down, share information. Get a, we are able to get a pretty good idea as to what's happened. I'm not saying this with absolute certainty. I'm saying with a, a whole lot of confidence. I don't think Bob Stoops and Florida State were ever in the same room together. Uh, I think that Florida State met with his representation a good amount of times. I will say that, so like the Friday morning or the Friday of all the optimism that surrounded the Stoops hire, what was that, three and a half weeks ago, right in the middle of November, I think Florida State was going to a meeting that Florida in that Friday morning in the in the Panhandle, the 30A area, either with the impression that Bob Stoops uh, was going to be there or with the impression that Bob Stoops uh, and his representation were going to kind of teleconference in, and it was a meeting and a lot of Florida State's opinion or a lot of people at Florida State's opinion that they were more or less going to push, you know, secure this thing, finalize it. And Bob Stoops wasn't in that room. The meeting, from what I understand, did not last very long. And both parties kind of left that meeting uh, with a high degree of confidence that their future plans weren't going to be intertwined. Let me ask you this. At the end of all this, and this is at the end, I don't mean at the end of the process, I mean like at the end of the three weeks. Do you think this was a situation where maybe the rep was just trying to see like what Stoops' market value was? And he had no uh, yeah. intention of coaching? I think that's possible. I don't, uh, again, I don't think there's a realistic figure that Florida State could have brought to the table that would have brought Bob Stoops to Tallahassee. 
I don't. Uh, I'm not saying that maybe if the Oklahoma job doesn't open up or one of these premier jobs that's not in this part of the country, that's not with some of the uncertainties tied to this institution, I just I don't know that anything was ever going to really come to fruition here. Uh, there was some very early optimism in the process. And then there was a whole lot of optimism kind of in the two-day window, the Thursday, Friday, uh, that led up to the, you know, the TDO, not a candidate article. And at that point in time, I don't really have any reason to believe that there was much correspondence with Bob Stoops or his representation with Florida State. I know that you and I both got, uh, what was it, 10 days ago or so, pretty, pretty assured confidence that, you know, we think we know who we're going to hire and we are positive that Bob Stoops is not in the conversation anymore. So we I had asked I, several I, times, like post TDO article, because some other people were still reporting Stoops like pretty hard. And we were like, what the hell, man? I, I would text Ingram and I was like, are you getting into this? He's like, no, like not a hint. And I was like, man, what are the chances that like this is going on? And neither of us who we have fairly different sources on things are hearing about this like at all. Right. And it was always, always stuff like, oh, hey, uh, a cousin of mine's boyfriend's dad is a sheriff at, at, at uh, LCSO, and he picked up Bob Stoops secretly from the Thomasville airport. And I'm like, what? Like, like, no. But we did go back and ask, I think, twice, like, hey, are you sure there's nothing to the Stoops stuff? And I'm very confident that Florida State was not going back with, like, revised offers to Stoops. In fact, some, some people have put out there that, like, Florida State was going back to its boosters to get more money so it could up its offer to Stoops. I don't believe that's true at all. In fact, I'm really confident that if Florida State thought it needed to up its offer to Stoops, it would have just done it and then figure out a way to pay for it later. Period. Like yes, they were, they very were gonna, sure. Yeah, that's kind of what they were doing in the whole process. Right. Yeah, trust me. The, the, the assets were not there for any of – I mean, they were going to make it happen. They were going to figure it out. You mean the cash they on were not, hand was not there, right? Yeah, yeah and so they weren't going to try to. They, yeah, yeah. Go. Well, thank you, thank you for saying <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I, I don't save, mean I to save you on that one. Yes, yes, the liquidity was not there, and they were going to. I believe they did that with the initial stages <laughs> of the plan. There's nothing to keep either of us from thinking that they would not simply have continued in that kind of manner. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, um, and I don't think it was a real like crazy back and forth. I think Florida State, like, yeah, they were not just submitting new offers over and over and over again to Bob Stoops. I'm pretty confident on that. Uh, by the way, other things I'm confident about is that people like when we draft things, Ingram. <laughs> they do. There does seem to be a general appreciation for for the draft. So It allows um, listeners to, to weigh in, and they can talk, and, and they can kind of play along at home. So let's go ahead and draft things here. Uh, the top excuses for why uh, – like, the, the, let's, just t- let's just draft the top BS from the Stoops involvement. This was, this was a kind of a fun saga. I'll let you take the first pick here. Okay, I'm going to lead off with Bob Stoops was at the Moore Center. Uh, this, this was one of the ones I was like, all right, this, this thing might just go totally off the rails as far as the – some of the rumor stuff, and from an early standpoint, it, it kind of started to. Bob Stoops was not at the Moore Center. He did not visit Florida State. He was not interviewing at Florida State. This is where, when I was like, oh, man, we're going to have some people who have no idea how a coaching search works, reporting, quote-unquote, uh, reporting on this coaching search. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and take uh, Bob Stoops at the Moore Center. I believe that was November 4th was, was the day that he was allegedly at the Moore Center, right? I think. Mm. I feel like I'm getting great value with the first pick or my first pick second overall here because I want to go with the idea that this process was delayed because of the funeral of a high school coach and a funeral of a high school coach. But by many accounts, Bob Stoops didn't even attend. I don't really have any problem with like people going on social media and, you know, stating a bunch of stuff, uh, not necessarily the way I would do it, but, uh, you know, that's not a, it's not something I'm necessarily going to hold against you. Message board individuals who, you know, kind of became real polarized in this process of, yeah, you know, always going to be Bob or whatever else. I don't really 
really blame you uh, either. Was, maybe you got some enjoyment out of it. I'm sure there were some people who, you know, thought they had sources that were telling them stuff that were supportive of Bob Stoops. And this is really only directed at, at one individual, as I have an, an awful lot of respect for many of the people that work there. But if you're going to spend 10 years banging everybody on the head with uh, fan blog and all this other crap, and on the Wednesday, you're going to put out an announcer, you're going to put out an update that gives serious credence to Bob Stoops, possibly being the Florida State head coach, but not right now because it got delayed because of a funeral that he ultimately didn't even attend. And the fact that it did get delayed because of this funeral was going to be the puzzle or the pieces that helped you kind of put the puzzle together. I would suggest that you really didn't even know where the where the puzzle board was in general, if that's what you're going to say about this process. I, I was uh, I was blown away by the way that that some people <laughs> talked about this and the legitimacy of this process being delayed because of a high school coach's funeral was uh, will forever be the most absurd aspect of this uh, when I look back on it. Use discount code. Um, all right. So I'm going to take, and this was one we actually talked about before, but, uh, oh, Snoop says no, <laughs> he collects his bonus for a contract that only makes a million dollars total, so his bonus is probably not going to be that much, but he's going to collect his bonus for taking part of the XFL draft, which already happened. By the way, uh, at the time that this this had uh, this had come about, so give me the uh, the XFL draft was the delay. That was a, that was a, a good one, definitely a lot of value to be had across the board here. Um, you know, this is a this is a good draft, a lot of a lot of a uh, lot of a <laughs> lot of value to be had deep into the draft. The next one that I'm going to want to go with, <laughs> I literally I was I was laughing pretty hard as I typed most of these out, was that part of the delay was that uh, Bob Stoops had to give a two week notice, but and uh, he didn't want to leave the. Uh, uh, the XFL team of the Dallas uh, metro area because he had uh, his two weeks had not come fully up yet. So, whoo boy, that was uh, that was a, a whopper of of one of the explanations and things that were thrown out in this process. That is awesome. I like that. Got to give you two weeks, dog. Got to give just just as if you're leaving the accounting position. You got to give your two weeks. Okay, uh, we already we already kind of uh, mentioned this one. Was it like uh, you're your dad, uh, your dad's friend who works for LCSO, was uh, escorting uh, Bob Stoops into town. Um, people who claim to know like seven of the ten most prominent uh, boosters out there, which is unlikely. So <laughs> and hilarious, and hilarious that you would want to throw that out on a message board. Like uh, nobody else knows what they're talking about. I know seven of the ten most prominent boosters. Boom, clowning on name everybody. Seven of the ten most prominent boosters. <laughs> I, I, again, feel like this is an area that is a specialty of mine, and I could not come anywhere near naming seven of the ten most prominent boosters. It's the a, problem is I, I don't know who all the ten are, like, like in order, for sure. I could probably give you – I feel pretty good I could give you five or six. Like, like if you gave me ten shots, I, I know I could nail five. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that's not seven, bud. So you're not nearly as impressive as uh, as some out there. Um, that's true. I thought that um, well, the the not the original. The original one was Stoops at the Moore Center. I also want to give a little tip of the hat to the original report that was put out that uh, that Bob Stoops was a done deal and that Kendall Bryles was going to be named head coach in waiting. That was a uh, that was definitely a highlight, and again, something that I'll remember when I look back on this process. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, it was something that we wondered could happen, but like certainly the idea that that was done is is, uh, is pretty silly. Uh, I will go ahead and pick um, Bob Stoops demanding that Florida State move out of the ACC. As the whole <laughs> we got your coaching search rumor, and we're going to wrap it in a puff pastry of conference realignment. And give that to you. That is an, um, that's incredible. Yeah, I love that one. And then with the last pick, and again, I think I'm getting incredible value here. I want to, uh, I want to select, uh, again, what uh, some people threw out, uh, one person threw out, that Stoops was actually being used as a smokescreen by the DHR firm. Because that's definitely how you want to handle the public relations of a, of a coaching search, which is to float the biggest, <laughs> most prominent name out there. 
you know, Ingram, selecting an attorney is, is a really important thing. It, it's not a decision you should make lightly. Selecting a family law attorney just because of, of how important it is to get it right the first time is extremely important. you got to choose the right person. You want to choose someone who's an expert. Our sponsor, Travis Johnson, is a board-certified family law attorney, one of only 280 in the state of Florida. If you want an expert in the field of family law, divorce, issues dividing property, maybe alimony, child support visitation, maybe a prenup, want to modify a prior visitation or support order, maybe you need help enforcing an already existing order, call Travis Johnson of the Metter & Johnson Law Firm, 850-435-9919. Like I said, board-certified expert. He will come to you. He has clients and cases throughout the state. Take that number down, 850-435-9919. That's Travis Johnson of the Metter & Johnson Law Firm. Okay, uh, let's, let's end this with um, additional explanation, opinion. Uh, so... I am of the opinion that the uh, the field and the press conference being set up was actually for Mike Norvell. I think that Florida State got Norvell to say yes. Uh, would it have been Sunday night or Monday? And my Memphis person thinks that there was a miscommunication between FSU and Memphis to where Memphis's side had said, hey, don't. Like, we don't want him to coach the bowl game. And Florida State somehow got it confused that uh, they didn't want him to coach the conference championship game. That's my Memphis person theory. Mm. I do think it was for Norvell. I'm not sure if the Memphis theory is right. Um, it's also possible that word trickled down that they got their guy and then whomever is in charge of, like, giving the order to set up the Champions Club and that kind of stuff uh, said, okay, they got their guy, like, we know the plan was if they, if they got their guy, we're going to announce it on, on this weekday, not realizing maybe uh, that the person had another game to go. So that's no. that's something interesting there. Do you have I a theory have a, on that, or do you think I it was have Campbell? some some similar information? No, I don't think it was Campbell. I, I don't think um, – I would include – like last time we had a little bit of a – not a disagreement, but a, a differing opinion. You said that you think they went to two people. I said they went to three. Um, I think they approached Matt Campbell with the intention of um, – giving him very real consideration to giving a job internally. Um, I think there was a period of time where internally, if you would have let Florida state draft the, the broader candidates, Matt Campbell would have been the first pick. Uh, but I don't think they got very far with Matt Campbell. I don't, I think they, uh, I think they tried to uh, get in a place to talk to him about the specifics of the job and, you know, potentially have some of the conversations that lead up to offering him, and I just don't think that took place. I don't think it's tied to Campbell at all. I think it is Norvell. Um, the information that we have is similar but different. Um, I think they came to an agreement. I've been told that both parties came to an agreement, and the initial plan was for Norvell. Uh, the people talked about him going ahead and being announced last week, and that uh, a third party basically let both parties know that that's not a great idea. Uh, not going to be reflected very well, and that it's better for everybody involved if you push this back a week. Is this a third party you're paying $100,000 to? It is, and it's also a third party that's going to collect a lot of money from Mike Norvell's contract. Got so it. two two third parties. Yeah. Okay. Um, third party squared. So another thing we want to talk about here real quick, and we're just kind of wrapping up this, is that some of the info that we received from agents was that Florida State was being really upfront with candidates about where like they stood in the process in terms of timeline, but also in terms of like where they stood in Florida state's uh, like hierarchy for, for lack of a better word in terms of, of their um, like who they might want to hire. And some of the people that they talked to is pretty clearly expressed that like, we're just kind of gathering information at this stage. And I think Mark Stoops might be a good, might be a good example of that. Right where he pulled his name out of, of consideration because he realized like he wasn't going to get the job and the negative effects of being mentioned with the search recruiting wise could certainly hurt Kentucky's recruiting. And if you're not going to get the job, you don't really want your name out there for it. If you're not in like a situation where you're renegotiating a contract and, and Mark Stoops obviously uh, is not renegotiating a contract this year. Um, do you have any other examples of that? Cause I, I think that was, that was pretty interesting. something we heard. Yeah. Again, I would, I would not, say this information if I was hearing it from the Florida State side because it's just too easily to parrot 
Um, this is this is stuff that Bud and I heard from more of the agent community. Uh, yeah, I think they were they were very clear with a lot of people that you're at best you would be kind of a secondary or third option for us. There was a level of transparency uh, with candidates throughout this process that some in that community were uh, were kind of surprised by, and it's uh, indicative of an institution that I think from a fairly uh, early standpoint had a had an idea as the fact that they were only going to fall so far down their preferred list of candidates absolutely okay do you think there was really intentional misinformation being or disinformation being floated out there okay so do i think there was intentional misinformation i do not bud i don't think there were false stories planted with people what I do think is that there, poor people are insecure, rich people are insecure. Sometimes that's just a trait that uh, happens to be some of the <laughs> some of the worst of of humankind. And I think a lot of times these boosters feel that they give an amount that they should know information, and that there's an expectation that for the amount that they give, that they be kept in the loop. And to admit such is is kind of tough for some of these people. So I, I, I don't think that the search firm was going around planning fake stories. I, I simply don't. I don't know that you or I ever encountered information that when we look back on it was plainly false. You know, like there were some times where I was confused. There were some times where I questioned uh what people were telling me, but when there was any amount of perspective to it, I could see that uh, there was there was truth to that. And for people who are out there who <laughs> who ever want to try to do this, if you're going to evaluate your sources, you have to give a whole lot of points to people that are that you know are going to be truthful with you. And just tell you sometimes that they don't know what's going on and not that they think that they should know what's going – that they should uh, be in a place to know what's going on and that they're going to you know, talk about things that maybe aren't, aren't true because of that. So a very long-winded way of saying I don't think there was intentional misinformation. I do think that there was uh, some information being put out there from people that would expect those people to know what's going on, uh, maybe just – out of kind of a basis of human nature. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, one thing that was very helpful was that I kept notes on my sources in a notebook from 2017, just in case we ever had to do another another coaching search thing, which you know I'd say that you will. And luckily, the people who were right for us the first time were right for us the second time. And there is an element of luck there, right? I mean, it's it, it's helpful to still have them. I will say that for the most part, people who have occasionally had good info but are not always had good info, the boosters were probably, like the people who we have who are boosters, on average, I would say, a lot of them were not getting good info for whatever reason. The people who were within the industry, right? So like the national contacts I have from going to like Elite 11 and, and the opening, all these things with all these national guys all the time, just from doing my job as, as the national guy for recruiting as opposed to just FSU stuff, that was really helpful because that that really kept us grounded in some of this Stoops stuff. Where there, like we had several people, including somebody who I think will probably write a book with Bob Stoops someday, tell me, there's no way he wants to coach in the Southeast. Absolutely not. No. Like, like no, he's not going to do that. They, they had a, a pretty good handle on – on what was going on local boosters for the most part hit or miss i think if you had anybody in the admin at fsu that was really helpful but that's just hard to come by um but yeah that, that's that's kind of my thought on that I, I can't say that they didn't try to flush a leak at some point but like that's why you go with two sources yeah, I don't get the whole flushing of a leak of a booster. I don't think that ever take, took place. I I, I don't. Oh, no, what's not, the not of a booster? No, no. Okay. I, I'm, I'm, okay. Maybe some people who work for boosters. Maybe within okay, worked or, or within the uh, the school. Mm -hmm. I can see there's no flushing a leak with a booster doesn't happen because there's not a damn thing that happens that's good with that. You don't go to the guy who wrote who writes you a two million dollar check and say, "Ha ha, I got gotcha. <laughs> like, right. you." Like, what's your recourse? 
Right. Yeah. I, so people were like, oh, they're trying to flush leaks out of boosters. No, they're not. No, they're not. And it's ridiculous. Again, I'm fortunate to know some people and people who I think are kept up to speed for 10 days would tell me, look, man, there's been no information. And there's a whole lot of value to having somebody tell you that. So uh, that's that's what I'll leave with that. Finally, Bud, got, yeah, got some got some feedback again from both the Florida State side and, and maybe the broader agent community here. But the, there was a little bit of a feel that the James Franklin, at least the people I talked to, I'll be interested in hearing your opinion, that James Franklin more or less took the meeting to basically tell Florida State that they can stick it where the sun doesn't shine and they should have hired him two years ago when he really wanted the job. And it was it was not a... <laughs> it was not a, a conversation that, that somebody left and we're like, oh, well, we'll just circle back to James and see if we can uh, make it right. It was a it was a rather frank part that you're either going to pay me absurd money or you should have done this two years ago when I re- legitimately wanted the job. So this is where our sources differ a little bit, which is good, I think. Um, my guy was thinking that maybe that attitude was coming off in that interview and some of the things of like, Hey, w- when can you get this facility done? That, that, that type of thing, maybe looking for guarantees of that, uh, because USC was still hanging out there. And my guy thought once USC decided it was going to keep, uh, who the hell, uh, sorry, Clay Helton, uh, that they would maybe circle back to see if his attitude had changed once his options became Penn state or Florida state, as opposed to Penn state, Florida state and the potential, of mm-hmm. USC, but certainly that that did not end up happening as far as the, the the opinion changing there. So, I mean, Franklin, interesting name, a guy who can be abrasive, and uh, maybe by all accounts had a had an ounce of that to him. So, but unless there's some other, you know, fabulously fantastic, hilarious aspects of the coaching search uh, that you want to touch on, I think we can probably probably put an end on this uh, this part of the show or this show for the evening and we will uh, circle back to you the listeners and hopefully have another show about the composition of staff and some of the other aspects of the Mike Norvell hire within the next 24 to 36 hours all right y'all five stars on iTunes if, if you will very much appreciate it <laughs>